You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Night Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I wasn't having a stroke. I was fighting through the intro um, while I was trying not to yawn um, because I overslept by an hour and I have to power through this. No excuses. No time for yawning. I ain't got, ain't nobody got time for that. Um, with that said, Facebook group, Patreon, iTunes, Facebook page, drunk Facebook page bots, Instagram, Twitter, if I didn't say that. And yes, we do have a winner. Congratulations. Uh, can't look up who it was, but to whoever it was, congratulations. We'll be getting something out to you shortly. Jacob, we do have a winner. If you didn't see that, please respond to the man, etc., etc. You guys know the drill. Today is the day. Um, the plan is, we'll see how it goes. You never really know with these things. But we're going to be looking at the Minnesota Vikings, the exact same thing we did yesterday. Um, the last four weeks of the Minnesota Vikings to try to get a better idea of what they have been recently as opposed to looking at what they have been this year or over the course of the career. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about it. Um, at least that was my intent. Again, not a lot of time. Just because, you know, we might not have a lot of preconceived notions about some players because we might not know anything about them to begin with. But um, we'll we'll see what we can do. Anyways, let's take a break. No time for yawning. <sighs> Take a break, and we'll get back into it. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the Packernet Podcast is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network that's live 24-7 and costs you nothing. That's right, sports coverage that's always on and always free, always. So I'm sure you've already done it, but allow me to tell you again, because I have to. But seriously, if you haven't, let's let's go over some key features here. Sports, football, Packers, free, on-demand app right on your phone. I feel like I don't need to elaborate too much more than that, but in case you're new, let me put a little filler in there. CBS Sports HQ has live streaming sports news pretty much, well not pretty much, all literally all day long, and it's not in a cable package, and it's not something you have to pay for at all. It's not even something you have to log into. You just download the CBS Sports app, Click on CBS Sports HQ. They don't ask you a single question. They're just like, boom, hey, let's talk about sports, man. Or woman. They might, maybe they're, they're probably not condescending like that. Why is that more condescending? Why is man just like, what up, man? It's like, I don't know, what's up with you, man? But if you say, what's up, woman? It's like, punch. I don't know, I don't get it. It's weird. So, no fake debates, just real sports for real sports fans at a great price of completely free. You don't even have to log in or sign up or anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. If you hate free and convenient but love sports, I've got another solution for you. Vivid Seats. You know why? Because they have these things that aren't free. They're called tickets, which also are not convenient because you buy them and then you have to drive really far to Minnesota and fight traffic and park 
and pay $700 for concessions. But then you get to watch the game live, right? I got it covered from all angles, man. Whatever you want, Pack daddy has got what you need, man. So whether you want free stuff that's just on your phone whenever you just feel like, eh, I want sports, boom, there it is. Or if it's like, you know what, no. I want something real and meaningful. I want something I'm going to remember for a long time. Well, then allow me to prescribe to you some Vivid Seats. Because I got all the tickets to all the games. 100% buyer guarantee. Vivid Seats rewards. And if it's your first time, if you're a first timer, hit your promo code overtime at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Boom. So sticking with the theme, let's just jump straight into this. So again, the last four weeks, the, the benefit is you get a, a zoomed-in focus on what the team has been doing. The negative is you get a little bit less of a sample size, so things are going to be a little bit wonky, but it's not the same team as it was week one, so it does have that value. So for example, Kirk Cousins has actually been very, very consistent. He's been a pretty good quarterback all year. Of course, he's had down games. He's had some really high up games. But he's been top 5-ish, top 10-ish pretty much all year. Right now, over the last four weeks, he is the sixth highest graded quarterback, two spots behind Mitch Trubisky because that's the universe we live in now. If we look at um, Kirk Cousins over the course of the year, he's fifth. So again, very consistent. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, over the course of the year is 12th, largely because the second half of the year has been pretty dismal. Um, Now, if we look at him kind of as an overall grade as opposed to him as just a pure passer because he has one of the worst running grades and fumble grades of any quarterback pretty much ever, which is kind of weird, actually. What is going on over there? Um, But anyways, if you take that all into account, he's the 10th highest graded quarterback. So, I don't know, I guess swat at the ball a lot? I don't know what's going on over there. Something that I actually found very interesting that might surprise a lot of people, obviously, and, and this is, again, this is exactly why we do this. If I were to ask anybody about Dalvin Cook, including Vikings fans, by the way, they would say that he's one of the best running backs in football. The problem is that largely comes from what he's done early in the season. Dalvin Cook right now is the third highest graded Minnesota Viking running back. Not the third highest graded running back, third highest graded Vikings running back. The highest graded back they have right now is Mike Boone. After that is Alexander Madison, who, by the way, is also 42nd. That guy was tearing it up. He's 42nd. So... It's kind of a good and bad situation because Dalvin Cook isn't playing anyway. So on one hand, you look at it and go, ah, Dalvin Cook, the On the other hand, dude hasn't been doing all that well. He started off the year, the first three weeks of the year, just basically being elite. So after three weeks, he was easily the best running back in football. So, so here's the first three weeks of him running. Here's what his grades were, 71, 83, 90, right? And that all kind of got burned into our brains. You want to know what his grades have been since then? 57, 58, 65, 82 against the Lions, 64, 61, 76 against Dallas, 61, 43, 67, 66. He's been average or worse every week except two weeks ever since week four. In fact, looking at his yardage, the first three weeks he had over 100 yards. In the first five weeks he had over 100 yards every week except one. In the first seven weeks he had over 100 yards in every week except two. He has not been over 100 yards since, not week 8, 9, 10, 11, 13, 14, 15. In fact, in the last four weeks, which is what we're looking at, 26, 29, 62, 27. It's been really dismal the last four weeks. He hasn't gone over four yards per carry since week 8. 3.4, 3.7, 2.4, 3.2, 3.4, and 3.0. Those are the last five weeks. So again, he hasn't been, or he's not playing either way, at least I don't think so, but he also hasn't been as good as, as everybody kind of thinks anyway. 
The same is true of Alexander Madison, who, again, is 42nd out of 100 running backs. And as far as Mike Boone kind of playing well, I mean, he he had one, basically one game where he played, and that was last week when Dalvin went out. He had 13 carries because there were two injured running backs. And I really think that what, what the Vikings are doing right now is similar to what Shanahan's doing with the 49ers, where they just had, do a really good job running the football because they run a very similar system to what Mike McCarthy, oh boy, whoops a daisy, to what Matt LaFleur wants to do, but my, Matt LaFleur kind of can. And that is just a very well oiled machine, and it kind of doesn't matter who's running the ball. I mean, it, of course it does, because if it works with a guy that's super talented and fast like Dalvin Cook, it has a bigger potential to be explosive. So I'm I'm not trying to completely undermine the guy. I I like Dalvin Cook. I mean, as as a player, not as a Viking. I'm not trying to go down that road. But I I also think at the end of the day, this is just a well-oiled machine. That's why San Francisco, it doesn't matter who they plug in there. They just, whoever the running back is, they're going to do really well. That's what San Francisco does. That's what Minnesota, I think, is doing now. I mean, to a point. Again, I just went over the whole thing where Dalvin wasn't doing so well anymore. But as a general rule, I, I think it has more to do with the system than the individual components. Like, oh man, they just happen to get really lucky on this draft pick. And also, Mike Boone comes out of nowhere and boom, he's really good. And this actually, this has happened before with the Vikings. Remember back when Adrian Peterson, when he got hurt, and then who are the other guys? Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. The one guy's still, I think he's with the 49ers now. Yeah, McKinnon. And then McKinnon went off, and then there was that big, giant, fullback-looking white dude, and he went off, and then he got a massive payday because he was running really, really well. Maybe he wasn't white. I don't know. It's just what I was picturing. But it turns out he was terrible. It's just whoever was running for the Vikings was doing really well. I think he's out of the NFL now. But anyways, we, we've seen this before. L- long story short, I think they do a good job of, of running the ball because it's an emphasis. Dalvin Cook not playing, which I don't think he's going to play. I don't think it's 100% yet, but it's like 95-ish. Is definitely going to be beneficial, but I think it's more of a system thing than anything. But also the system has been a little bit broken. So there's, there's a lot of, of new kind of information here. It's good news that they haven't been able to run the ball as well. And even that isn't true. As, as a team, they've been running the ball fine. Dalvin hasn't, and Dalvin's not playing. As a unit, they've been running fine. 137 yards on the ground against the Chargers, 120 against Detroit. So I, I guess the broader message is it's good if for us if Dalvin doesn't play, but don't feel like that means that they can't do anything because they're just good at running the football. Such a that was that was so weird because it was kind of like a haha. Dalvin's not good, but also Dalvin's not playing. But also the run game is kind of good without Dalvin. So it's like a haha, but also like shoot, this isn't this is not good. So take all that information and draw your own conclusions. Uh, Minnesota wide receivers, and I'm just gonna leave the uh, the filters off. So the, the numbers are the rankings are gonna be a little bit off. Like you got Ventel Bryant as the number two wide receiver in football with one target, one reception, one touchdown, right? But anyways, we'll we'll leave it just because I want everybody in here. So the Vikings number one wide receiver, and this is another area where not a lot of people are talking about it, but there's definitely been, and you could tell by just how quiet things have been. There was a lot of hype about Dalvin Cook early, not as much anymore. There was a ton of talk about the best wide receiver duo, even including for me early on in the season. That's been quieted for a while. You haven't heard a lot of Diggs hype. You haven't heard a lot of Thielen hype, although he's been hurt. Their their top wide receiver over the last four weeks has been Laquan Treadwell, right? I mean, that kind of says something. And that's four targets, three receptions, and a touchdown. That is their only, by the way, top 50 wide receiver on their team the last four weeks. The only one. Oh, you know what I gotta do? I gotta change that up a little bit. That's not entirely true. Four weeks ago was their bye, so I gotta add one more week in here. And if you do that, Stefan Diggs gets a jump. 
So since I messed that up a little bit, let's look a little bit at Stefan Diggs. So in the last three weeks since their bye, which you could kind of do three weeks if you wanted to. That's what I do with the Packers. That's why I picked four. Stephon Diggs has had two pretty bad games and one good game against Detroit because it's Detroit. In week 11, which was technically five weeks ago, but four games ago, he had a pretty good game against Denver. So for the most part, Stephon Diggs is a good wide receiver. He's actually doing better the second half of the year, kind of, than the first. It's, it's hard to, to really lay this out, but basically the first five games that he played was more or less good, not great. The second half-ish is a lot of good to very good, but also some really bad games mixed in. So it's kind of a weird thing. So basically the first five weeks was a lot of good with some average mixed in. Since week six, it's been a lot of very good to good, but also a few like 50s mixed in. Kansas City, 52, Seattle, 56, and then this last week, 15, was a 65. But anyways, over the last four weeks now, or the last, I should say, four games as opposed to four weeks, Stephon Diggs is the 30th highest graded wide receiver. Laquan Treadwell is the 31st. And then Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen you can't really do because there's only one game that he's played, and that's week 15, but let's just look at him a little bit. He's really just through the course of the year had three really good games, and that's it. Against Atlanta was very, very good, which really was just three targets for three receptions, but he had a great game. Against the Giants was a fantastic game. He had a grade of 92.4, nine targets, seven receptions, 130 yards, and two touchdowns, but it's the Giants. And then he had a very good grade against Detroit, which the Vikings just annihilated Detroit because they're one of the worst secondaries and terrible defense in football, as are the Giants, by the way, and got another 92.6 grade. This was only two targets, one reception, and a touchdown, but you know, again, you don't get those kinds of grades without just dominating the entire game. Other than that, 70, 60, 50, 70, and then the last two weeks he's played, 37 against Kansas City, so that was terrible. One target, zero receptions, maybe he got hurt in that game, I don't know. But then he came back against the Chargers and had his um, third worst game of the year, three targets, three receptions, 27 yards, a grade of 58. So really, I would say Stephon Diggs is the more consistently good wide receiver who has been kind of like, very similar, I guess, to what Aaron Rodgers has been. He's got two good games, two terrible games, and you don't really know who's going to show up, and you really hope it's the good one, or in our case, the bad one. Adam Thielen is kind of similar, but he's more or less, as far as his grades are concerned anyways, he's kind of just mediocre to sometimes bad, with like a few really, really, really good games mixed in. And again, I'm highlighting this because if you were to just ask me, and I'm guessing most Packers fans and Vikings fans, the idea still is this is one of the best duos in football. The reality is between Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and even Dalvin Cook, if you want to throw him in the mix, the most consistently good player of that group has been Kirk Cousins, which is kind of just a surprising bit of information. And again, even Adam Thielen, for the most part, it's it's pretty good. But it's not just consistently dominant. He just hasn't been that. And really, you know, a lot of it has to do with injury. But if we're just being completely blunt about it, the last time he had a very, very good game was week seven. He hasn't had an impact on the NFL ever since. Again, largely due to injury, but also Kansas City and the Chargers are mixed in. And those were both pretty bad games. So we'll see. I mean, overall, it's kind of a similar situation to where, of course, they both have the talent to obliterate the Packers. But they're not just dominant every single week. And I think if the corners can kind of just be on their game a little bit, This could easily just be another down game for the wide receivers. Uh, Beyond that, over the last four weeks, Kyle Rudolph, a guy that I have been saying for a while is overrated, has actually been pretty hot the last few weeks. Over the last four games, he is the fifth highest graded receiving tight end in football. So again, just trying to reshape our vision of what the Vikings are today. Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, the stock is down. Kirk Cousins to Kyle Rudolph is kind of up. 
which really stinks because that's something the Packers have no ability to take away. Now, Kyle Rudolph was basically a non-factor for six weeks. He had his first good game in week seven, then went back to doing nothing for two weeks. Since then, against Dallas, he had an almost elite game. Five targets, four receptions, two touchdowns. Denver was mediocre, and then Seattle, another elite game. And then Detroit was mediocre, and then the the Chargers, again, a very good game. Again, just speaking about grades, I know if you're just monitoring this on stats, that's not exactly what you're looking at. But he's been kind of just like every other week has been having a really, really good game. I'm guessing her and him her, him and Cousins are kind of getting into a rhythm. That's really unfortunate for us. Strangely, every single one of these games where he was on fire has been an away game. At Detroit, at Dallas, at Seattle, at Los Angeles. I'm sure that really doesn't have anything to do with it. But if you look at the patterns, this is a home game, not an away game. Also, it's been every other, and this is a down week. So let's hope it follows those patterns and he doesn't have a very big game. But knowing the Packers' defense, that seems unlikely. If we look overall and not just as a receiving grade, it gets even worse. Kyle Rudolph is the fourth highest graded tight end in the last five weeks. It goes Jared Cook, then George Kittle, then Mark Andrews, then Kyle Rudolph. Yes, I said Jared Cook because, you know, we just have to have that thrown in our face constantly. Which, by the way, I didn't. I was against getting rid of Jared Cook. I just want to throw that out there. Not saying. I'm just saying. I'm sure that'll come up at some point in the uh, on this day in history. So that's a bit of a problem. Tyler Conklin, on the other hand, 40th, which I guess as far from Packers standards, that's actually not bad. Not not gonna get all high and mighty about that. In fact, Irv Smith is 67th, which is one spot higher than our second highest graded tight end. So they've got three guys higher than Jimmy Graham, the highest paid tight end in football so that I think would be one of the biggest threats and again of course the run game is a concern it's it's something that we have to watch out for because the Vikings do a good job of that Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen I'm not trying to make the case that they're useless and we don't have to worry about them but just monitoring the last few weeks and what this team has been Kyle Rudolph is a major concern fourth best tight end in football the last five weeks the good news in all this, not the greatest blockers in the world. The best blocking tight end they have is Tyler Conklin, who's 48th overall, just an average pass blocker. Run blocking, they're a little bit better. Kyle Rudolph is 15th. Again, if you remember yesterday, Mercedes Lewis is 7th in that category. Um, so that that's somewhat beneficial that they're not going to help blocking, which is a def- deficiency of theirs, as we'll talk about right now. So looking at pass blocking and looking at their tackles as of right now, the highest graded or the highest rating they have for a tackle looking at pass blocking is 62nd. Brian O'Neill is 62nd. Riley Reef is 66th. That's not great for either of them. It's also pretty consistent with what they've been all year. As far as run blocking, and, and they don't grade out very well, which really is just confusing to me. I don't know how they do such a good job of running the football. And you could say it's the running backs, which kind of would make sense, except actually Riley Reef is, is pretty solid. He's 21st overall, but Brian O'Neill is 63rd. But again, first of all, if there's nowhere to run, I don't care how good of a running back you are, you're not going anywhere. And second of all, I just have a hard time believing that it's primarily going to be the running backs that are doing a good job when regardless of who it is that's back there, they just seem to do a good job. You know what I mean? I'm just skeptical of that. Looking at their guards, it doesn't get much better as far as the blocking goes. Pat Elfleen, who is the bane of Vikings fans' existence, is the best pass-blocking guard that they have, 36th. So not good enough to be a... a, uh, He is good enough to be a starter, but barely not a top guy. Uh, Dakota Dozier is actually their second-best pass-blocking guard. He is not playing. 
Josh Klein is 70th as a pass blocker. That's their right guard. So he is really bad, which is great for us. As far as run blocking goes, Pat Elfling, 41st, and Dakota Dozier, who's not playing, is 55th. Josh Klein, 75th. So Josh Klein serves no real purpose whatsoever on an offensive line, which, again, great news for us. I have a feeling he's going to be seeing a lot of Zadarius Smith and Kenny Clark, because when Zadarius Smith comes inside and starts attacking guards, that just seems like an ideal candidate to just get picked on. Finally, one of my favorite players, Garrett Bradbury, who is getting maybe a little bit better. I mean, he doesn't have a zero pass blocking grade anymore, so it's definitely an improvement. He is the 36th best uh, run blocker as far as his pass blocking penchant. He is now 26th as far as centers are concerned, which is impressive until you realize there's about, well, there's 32. I mean, if we filter it, he's 26th out of 39, three of which don't even have a pass blocking grade because they've never done it. And there's another three that don't even have 10 total snaps. So really is about 26th out of 35. So he's getting better. He's still not good, but he's getting better. Over the last four weeks, he's uh, below average. So that's it. The offensive line is basically the exact same. Kyle Rudolph is having a little bit of a resurgence the second half of the year. Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen aren't quite as lethal as everybody would probably think in terms of what the general thought process is for them, but they're still dangerous. Kirk Cousins has been consistently pretty solid all year. Not to say he hasn't had bad games. In fact, if, if, we, if we were to elaborate, let's elaborate a little bit on Kirk Cousins. Because really all I was saying is what he is over the last five weeks is somewhat consistent with what his overall grade is. However, what we're really looking at is over the first four weeks, he had one good game, otherwise pretty trash. After that, he went on a four-game stretch, and this was when everybody was talking MVP, when he just absolutely tore up the league against the Giants, the Eagles, the Lions, and the Redskins, you know, because it's the Giants who have a terrible defense, the Eagles who have maybe the worst secondary in football, the Lions who are competing for that title, and the Washington Redskins who are terrible. So he went on that four-game stretch and absolutely annihilated those teams. Since then, average good, very good against Denver, average good, good. So he's been fine, but he hasn't had that elite run, right? So again, he's, he's consistently good. He's not in that elite category. He hasn't had any terrible games like he did against Green Bay that one time. But if I were to guess like what kind of a game you would have, it'd be like a 75-ish, maybe a 70. That's just consistent with what he's been since maybe week nine, where it's anywhere from 63 to 83. He's good. He's fine. He's probably not going to blow this for him. And, you know, unless my, my, my biggest hope, and I got to stop rambling because we got to do defense and really fast. My biggest hope is that him having the worst game of his career against Green Bay isn't just a fluke, that actually the Packers have got some kind of a thing, a, a little bit of a read on Kirk Cousins. I know it, it can't be perfect, and obviously it, they're not going to be able to replicate this bad of a performance, but I'm, I'm hoping there's just a little bit of like, yeah, we kind of know Kirk. We've been at this for a little bit, and we got a little something on the guy. That would be that would be wonderful. But anyways, let's take a quick break and then look at their defense and we'll get out of here. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's look at defense, and I think I am going to filter this out because I just kind of care about, you know, who actually matters. Starting with the interior folk, one of those things that I'm sure a lot of Vikings fans will kick and scream and fight about, but their interior isn't all that great. I've got a lot of respect for Linval Joseph. The guy's been a ghost. In five weeks, he is currently ranked as the 63rd best defensive tackle, um, just one spot behind Shamar Stefan. They don't have a top 50 defensive tackle. Jaleel Johnson, if I may continue, is 102nd, and Fetty Odenigbo is 110th. They don't have good defensive tackles. Now, obviously that's an overall grade. Linval Joseph against the run is better than he is as a pass rusher. He's got one pressure in five weeks, but against the run he's 33rd, which still isn't very good, but it's something. And I understand as well, who cares, because we got our two really good edge rushers along the defensive line, so who cares if our tackles aren't that great? Maybe that's an argument. I don't know. I don't think it's a very good one. But the bottom line is there's not much up the middle as far as their defensive tackles. And against the run, Shamar Stefan is 82nd. So there's Linval, and then there's just absolutely nothing. As far as generating pressure, Jaleel Johnson is kind of going to be that guy. He's got five pressures over the last four games, which isn't really all that impressive. Um, Kenny Clark has four sacks over the last four games, although Jaleel, three of those five are sacks, so I guess that's also pretty impressive, but not super. But even at that, he's 36th overall, so there's not a lot of pressure. They're not super good against the run up the middle. They just The defensive tackles have not done very much, which is good news, because we want people going in the wrong direction. We want to hear guys like Linval Joseph are not doing that well, because he's a guy that can absolutely wreck some stuff. Off the edge overall, it's it's Daniil Hunter still the man. He's fifth overall, two spots behind Zedarius. Thank you very much. He's got 18 pressures, five sacks. He's still definitely tearing it up. He's having a great year. He's a great football player. No question. I wish I had some better news for you, but I don't. He's still doing Daniil Hunter type things. If there was good news, however, it would be the fact that it's really Daniil Hunter and nobody else. Similar to how Preston Smith has kind of fallen off, Everson Griffin has completely fallen off a cliff. The next best edge rusher they have isn't even Everson Griffin. It's Stephen Weatherly, or Stephen Weatherly, or however you say that. Anybody that spells Stephen with a PH should be just kicked right in the head. And I'm very sorry to any listeners who have named their kids that. Why? In what universe is PH ever making a, made a V? Anyways, at, at least as it is right now, and this would be great news, Everson Griffin has not done Jack Diddley. In fact, the la- well, he, he was okay against the Chargers, but he had a really bad three-week stretch against Detroit, Seattle, and Denver. Maybe that was just a little bit of a fluke. Maybe he was a little bit injured. I don't really know. But over the last four games, he's been pretty terrible. Prior to that, dominant. Last four games, though, really bad. So I'm hoping he's slipping. I mean, he's, he's 32 years old. It's entirely possible he's just getting worn down. I mean, this is the entire purpose of things like veteran rest, trying to keep these guys fresh. It's not impossible that he got off, you know, he's, he's coming out firing on all cylinders, and he's just wearing down. Again, he's 32. I know if you Google it, he's 31. He's 31.9 years old. Give me a break. He's 32. So that is definitely what I'm hoping for. There's, there's no 
consolation for the fact that Daniil Hunter's coming and he's coming hard, other than the fact that we had Khalil Mack and who didn't he didn't do anything because Brian Blog is a beast. So if if all they have is Daniil Hunter, I kind of feel good about our chances. Because again, Linval isn't doing anything as a pass rusher. They don't have anyone on the interior that's much of a pass rusher. And uh, apparently Everson Griffin is just taking a nap. So that would be fantastic news along the front. Also, just in terms of being able to stop the run, again, Linval Joseph isn't terrible, but Daniil Hunter is 22nd um, against the run, which isn't all that. So so overall, against the run, the defense is just kind of meh. And if they're keeping Everson Griffin out there kind of regularly... He's 94th against the run, so he just has no ability whatsoever, at least, again, over the last several weeks, to stop the run. Looking specifically at pass rush grades, Daniil Hunter is 17th, Everson Griffin is 65th. Looking at linebackers, Eric Hendricks is still a monster. He's having a great year. He has fallen off a little bit, and I only say that because Eric Hendricks was basically having like a Pro Bowl year. I don't know if he's in, maybe he is in the Pro Bowl, I don't know. But um, he was like the top linebacker for, for a long time. He was jogging around with an elite gray the whole nine yards. Um, basically, the, the, here's the situation with Eric Hendricks. From week one to week eight, just dominant. Since then, he's completely fallen off, but three average games, three pretty good games. So it's, it's, it's the same exact situation where he's not nearly as dominant or consistent as he was, but I can't make the statement that he's not good anymore because he's good half the time. So really what the Vikings are, are having, I guess, maybe this is one way to put it, the consistency is falling off. There, there, there were A lot of these guys had streaks, especially early on in the season, where they were just pretty much dominant all the time. And Eric Hendricks, so here, here are his grades weeks 1 through 8, 71, 75, 71, 78, 90, 91, 92, 75. So, you know, he also, from that Giants-Philadelphia-Detroit stretch, just tore it up. But even outside of that, he was good every single week, not one even average game. Since then, 63, 60, 70, 84, 61, 74. So three average games, which again, prior to that, he didn't have one. He's had three since in the last six games. But he's also had two good games and one very good game. So I can't make the statement that he's no good anymore because he's just going to come in, play the Packers, and dominate. So I can't run my mouth. However, there's that silver lining, right? Everson Griffin hasn't been very good anymore. Maybe he'll have a bad day. Eric Hendricks is 50-50 now. He's not this elite linebacker that he was the first half of the year. He's just good, not great. That's kind of beneficial. Anthony Barr, 61st. He's never really been that good. He's still not very good. I talk trash because I can. I used to talk trash about Kendricks too, but he's having a resurgent year, so I can't. But I love talking down their linebackers because Vikings fans love their linebackers and they're wildly overrated. Run defense, and this, again, this is another good thing. So, there's really nobody that's super dominant against the run. Right now, Eric Hendricks is their best against the run. He's 34th overall. Eric Wilson is 36th. Anthony Barr is 46th. So Linval Joseph is good, not great. Daniil Hunter is decent, but not great. Everson Griffin can't do anything. There's no other defensive tackles that can do anything. They don't have a top 32 linebacker that's any good against the run the last few weeks. There's some potential here that we can run the ball. Now, when we get to safeties, it gets a little depressing, but whatever. They're a little further back. Um, coverage, Eric Hendricks is pretty solid in that category, 13th overall, Eric Wilson, 32nd, and then Mr. Anthony Barr, who gets a ton of snaps because, you know, they just, they love Barr and Kendricks, um, 76th, because he's terrible at it. Finally, looking at their defensive backs, and this is where it gets a little bit depressing, as I said, because they don't generally have very good corners, and I've been saying that for a very long time, and then Xavier Rhodes gets benched, and it's like, oh man, you guys are in complete collapse mode. Well, here's the problem. Trey Waynes, over the last five weeks, four games in their case, is the seventh highest graded coverage corner in football. Mike Hughes is 18th. 
They have two top 20 corners. Jair right now is 34th. Now, again, small sample size. We'll see how it goes, but they're doing a really good job recently. Now, granted, Trey Waynes over the last four weeks has had three really good games. He's only had two outside of that. So hopefully this is just kind of fluky and it's one of those small sample size kind of things and he's not just coming on real strong the end of the second half of the year because he's been a terrible corner. He had one really good game against Oakland in week three. He actually played fairly well against Green Bay, probably because we don't have any wide receivers. Other than that, 38, 57, 64, 41, 40, 65, and 30. Those are his coverage grades. So he's really bad, but he's playing really well the last down the final stretch of this uh, season. Same is true of Mike Hughes, a guy that the Vikings fans and the Vikings have wanted for a long time. A little bit more consistent, but still not super great over the larger course of the year. But again, three of his last four games have been really, really solid, especially these last three weeks against Seattle, Detroit, and the Chargers. So between Hughes and Waynes, these guys have really been kind of locked down the last few weeks. Outside of that, Mackenzie Alexander is no good, 80th overall. And Xavier Rhodes, who was benched, was 115th out of 119, if you want to know why the guy was benched. So it is largely in part because he was terrible, but it's kind of a moot point because their corners have been really good. So again, we'll, we'll, we'll see because we don't know who's going to show up. But this is, again, this is just kind of looking at what the team has been, as opposed to trying to assume that what they were in 2018, what they were the first half of the year, is what we're going to see. I'm not expecting to see terrible corners and really dominant wide receivers, and that's generally the game plan. We'll see. It could be, but that's not what it's been, right? Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter are super dominant. Well, Daniil is. Griffin, not so much. And again, it makes sense for the same reason that if Vikings fans were to say, yeah, Kenny Clark has been trashed this year. Well, I mean, you could make that argument if you want to look over the course of the year and his stats over the course of a year, but what if you look over the last four weeks? You wouldn't be saying that. And and we expect the Kenny Clark that's been here the last three weeks to be the guy that continues to play because that's a reasonable expectation because things change over the course of the year, which is why we're looking at the second half of the year. Does that make sense? Or the second quarter, whatever. Second quarter, as if that makes any sense. The final period that we're in here. Anyways... Safeties overall, without any shadow of a doubt, the Vikings have the best safeties in football. Andrew um, Sendejo, the guy who was a Viking, and then the Eagles picked him up, and then they dropped him, and then the Vikings picked him back up again, and he's been playing the last few weeks. Now, it's fluky because it was one good game out of three, but still second highest graded safety in football over the last five weeks. Harrison Smith is the fifth highest graded safety. Anthony Harris is the sixth highest graded safety. Even if you take Sandeo out of this, they still have the best duo in football. Arguably, you could say the Chargers with Adrian Phillips and Rayshon Jenkins. I don't know who they are either. I'm just saying that's a thing. So it's not a good situation with their safeties. Also, the corners are pretty solid. The DBs in general, scary situation. Breaking that down against the run, Harrison Smith, who's just really, really good up close and tackling and all that stuff. He's the 14th best uh, run defending safety. Uh, after that, Anthony Harris, 51st, Sandejo, 54th. So mostly it's coverage, which isn't great because the big thing that the Packers can't do is throw the ball, and it turns out they got really good corners and safeties and linebackers and coverage. So, great. Speaking of, Sandejo, third best coverage safety. Anthony Harris, fifth best coverage safety. Harrison Smith, 12th best coverage safety. So, in other words, the Packers need to be able to run the ball really, really well, and they're going to have to find a way to throw the ball somehow. And it's not going to be easy. So that whole thing where they're having a hard time figuring out how to get this offensive passing game clicking, hopefully they found a solution because this is going to be very difficult. Sandejo, Harrison Smith, Anthony Harris, Trey Waynes, Mike Hughes, 
I mean, the, the, if there's one thing on this team that has been really, really, really dominant the last four games that they've played, it's their defensive backs. Their edge rushers, it's just one guy. Their defensive tackles are nothing. They got one linebacker that's pretty good. Their offensive line is not very good. They do have a good tight end. Wide receivers, good, not great. Quarterback, good, not great. DBs, though, which which the problem is sometimes football, not sometimes, all the time, football is less about you know how good you are compared to how good we are. It's a lot about matchup. And the matchup of a team whose strengths are running the ball and stopping you from passing the ball is a really bad matchup for the Packers because the Packers have a hard time stopping the run. They have a hard time throwing the ball. So that's not great, but whatever. Anyways, again, that was a little exercise that I wanted to do. And so we get a little bit of a zoomed-in look of who the Vikings have been the last four weeks and a little bit about their history. But uh, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com